the Minnesota State Fair. The four outdoorsmen are here. Sit your ass down. Sit your ass down. Let's have some fun. Scotty sat his ass down. Harry Weiss did. Nancy, let's have some fun. I'll tell you what. Mark and I are here, the four outdoorsmen. We're on the, uh, the radio show on Bob FM every Sunday night at 6 o'clock. We have a lot of fun. It's all about outdoors. It's hunting and fishing and just telling, telling stories. And Mark's my buddy here. He started this thing in 2014, and we're still going strong. Hey, Stuart, how are you doing, buddy? Every day's a gift. I say it all the time. It's another year at the Minnesota State Fair. What are your thoughts so far? I think this is crazy. My wife and I were here last Thursday for opening day. We volunteered for the Wildwood Lions Club. And it wasn't, there weren't as many people as there are tonight. It was wonderful. But to, the, the, comp, the, uh, the difference is the weather is gorgeous right now. A lot more people, but it's a lot of fun. We're blessed, man. We are blessed. We're we blessed. are blessed. Yeah, it's, this is probably the, uh, what do you think, the seventh or eighth time we've been down to the State uh, Fair? Yeah, probably. We started a long, long time ago, uh, 2014 or so, and, and it's been a lot of fun. We've got a lot of people here who are seeing us tonight. we got, uh, uh, it's kind of fun. My buddy Sam Rooley from high school. I didn't do anything here. My buddy Sam Rooley from high school is here with Nancy Sacco. They're friends of ours. And I tell you, no, I got I to gotta tell you, he's having trouble with this stuff. You all set? Which one should he talk? What am Which I doing wrong here? Which one should he here? talk into? He's got two. Talking to this one's the better mic. All right. All right. You're like a kid with two ice cream cones. You I just, guess so. I guess so. You don't know what to pay attention. Anyway, to. Sam is here with Nancy Sacco and uh, good friends of mine. We got the crew from Arneson's Resort up at Lake of the Woods here, marrying these guys. I tell you, you guys want to have a good time? Go up to Arneson's, have a good time, because one of my buddies, he's over there. He's over there. Byron. The legend. Byron, Byron Ellerson. All right, stand up a second, Byron. Hey, I'll tell you what, Byron, get your butt up here. Come on up here. All right. Byron Ellerson. Go Take around. It, go that way. All right, I got to tell you a story about Byron Ellerson. Byron Ellerson, I met him through uh, the Outdoor News. I read a story in the Outdoor News about this guy who is the walleye king of the state of Minnesota. I thought it was all BS. This man has caught... Over 110-pound walleyes, and most of those are on Lake of the Woods. Off of this man, Byron, put that mic up to you or get close to that mic. Are you in the Guinness Book of Records? No, not yet. Is he, is he, can get you up that? right next to it, yeah. buddy. Right up next to it. What do you mean by no, not yet? In my own, I'm my own legend. Yeah, he is his own legend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's, I, I, I respect this guy. I respected him from the first time I met him because... He told me when he met his wife, he said, if we get married and when I retire, I'm moving up to Lake of the Woods, so you better be ready 40 years from now, and they're at Lake of the Woods right now. So that's a good woman, too. That's a good woman. Definitely. No, thank you very much. Now, we haven't, now you weren't one of our, our guests that were supposed to be on here, so let's just tell this quick story. You were fishing only last week for walleyes with friends or something. He's not a guide. He just loves to fish. And all the women up in Arneson's are sexy like the ladies right down there. See, there they go, there they go. You didn't catch any big, big walleyes, a couple of 26, 27, which is nothing for you. But what did you hook into? Well, Buddy and I were fishing the reef on the east side, and, and we both set the hook at the same time. And I said, uh, you know, I have a big one on. And he said, well, I'll net my own. He catches a 19 and a half. And I heard, a, you know, felt a, a head pump in that. I said, mine's a good one. Well, I knew about 15 seconds later that it was no walleye. Happened to be a 63-inch sturgeon. On 10-pound on, on test. 
<laughs> Took me an hour to get him in, but got a nice picture, uh, another memory. All right, of, of all the, now that's a great, great story. None of us have probably caught a 50 or 45 inch sturgeon or a 28 inch walleye. Byron Ellerson's caught many of them, and he yawns. When he's bringing up a 30 inch walleye, he yawns, you know, <laughs> and that pisses me off. But tell us the big story, the one story that impresses me more than any about the one time you caught those four walleyes in one day. Well, I went fishing on the east side. This was the middle of August and happened to bring some friends, Keith and Mary uh, Hohenstein, up to the east side because they had never fished uh, the rocks before and uh, showed them where to go on the rock reef, dropped their lines. My first fish was a 31 and a half. And uh, they were looking. half inch walleye. Keep going. Yep. And they were looking, and, and we trolled around the reef. About an hour later, I hook a 30 and a quarter. And I have two other buddies with me, and they've caught like a 22, 23 inch fish, and nothing big. Tried another reef, uh, kept on fishing, trolling spinners and crawlers. I catch a 30 incher. Another one. So now I'm up to three. Of course, you got to release them on Lake of the Woods. Uh, I don't I don't keep them because I got bigger fish blah and blah 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 <laughs> blah And we moved to another reef. You know, we've been there five six hours and, and Keith and Mary were fishing They got some nice fish also and uh, Decided to switch up my two buddies. I let them spinner and crawler. So I threw a jig out and uh, Felt it hit right at the bottom and jerked it missed them and uh, dropped the jig again and lo and behold Boom, he hits. I said, this is another big one. Ended up being another 30 and a quarter. So four, four 30 inch plus walleyes, 10 pounds plus in one day. It's never happened before on Lake of the Woods. I tell you, that's a hell of a story, young man. That's a hell of a, so either you are a good fisherman or Lake of the Woods is a good fishery. Which one is it? Uh, I think both. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Slot, slots limits help on Lake of the Woods, so the fish get Definitely. much bigger than a lot of other lakes, so that helps. Let's have a hand for this guy, I might tell you, but he's been around for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. All right, get out of here, because we weren't even supposed to be here. That's nice to see him. That, that's the great thing about the fair. You, you see friends, invite them up, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Mary and I became really good uh, Jameson Ginger Ale fans uh, in, in Lake of the Woods a couple of weeks You have a lot of friends we were, like that, Drew. I have a lot have of a friends problem. like that. But thanks for, for Byron and Mary and the gang from Lake of the Woods coming down here. It's a, it's a special day. So what's new with you, buddy? Man, State Fair, you know what that means for me, right? Uh, no. means kids go back to school. There you go. There I have you three go. kids going to school. Uh, football starts, and uh, it's a good time of year. Yeah. Hunting's around the corner, Stu. Uh, we've been doing the show for a long, long time, and we started out. You, you notice that we're called the four outdoorsmen, but now there's only two of us. Uh, Brian Zepp, who was one of our original four outdoorsmen, went to Bozeman, Montana. And he went to Bozeman, Montana for to get away from, to be honest with you, can I say it? I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> I better not. <laughs> All right. He wasn't happy with what was happening on the radio station he was working with in the Twin Cities, or who he was with, working with. So he went to Bozeman, Montana. And, uh, and then our, uh, the other fourth outdoorsman that was here until a, about a three, four months ago was Sam o Sam off it all. Yeah, Sam's uh, actually walking around with the family. He said he's going to come by. He, he wants you to give him a, a quiz question. I'll give him a quiz question. And maybe we'll win a prize or something. We got a quiz question, yeah. He, uh, Sam off it all's family ended up buying Capra's Outdoors on Highway 65 in Blaine. 
I think it's Blaine. Is that Blaine? I think yeah. it's Blaine. Is it Blaine? It is Blaine. And uh, he's busy, man. He's got four kids. He's bought himself a store with his family. He's got stuff to do. So I guess we don't mean squat. That's all right. We don't. Wait. We're missing one of our the guests. Per, the first guest we're supposed to have. Why don't you text him? Where's Where's Thane? He's He's our second guest, isn't he? Is he really? Yeah, I think so. Oh, that's right. Where's Where's the DNR guy? We have a guy named uh, Chad Tessing with the Minnesota DNR who is supposed to be our first. There's ex- Thane. There's Thane. Hey, Thane, come up here, will you? In case uh, maybe I screwed up. I probably screwed up. I'm pretty good at screwing up here. You'll see Thane Jensen coming up to the stage here. A good friend of ours from Clam Outdoors. He's with Ice Team, which is a big, big deal. In fact, I've got to ask him what it takes to be an Ice Team member. In the meantime, Harry Weiss, come on up here, and we're going to have you tell for two minutes. Now, who, how many people out there have ever heard of Bigfoot? Bigfoot? Does anyone believe in Bigfoot? All right, you really do. All right, you stand right here. You get in front by Nancy and Sam right there. And sit down a second for Sam. Um, Harry, you right here? Yeah, we'll get you right there. Anyway, I'll tell you what. Harry's one of our great, great listeners, one of our fans, been around, listening to us for a number of years. Harry Weiss, let's give him a hand because he's a good guy. <laughs> thank you, thank he you. Might be, he might be a pain in the butt sometimes, but he's a good guy, and he's a good fan, and he believes in Bigfoot. Now, Brandon, if you believe in Bigfoot, you can, you can uh, chime in on this one as well. You've got two minutes to chime, tell us your Bigfoot story. Oh, wow. you got to right into the mic and speak loud. Squeeze that in and Bigfoot uh, Namaji pretty big story. State Forest. So I, I was a big grouse hunter years ago when I was younger and up in the Namaji State Forest. There's a road that goes straight north forever through there. And I'm stopping and hunting for grouse, get back in my truck, drive a little further, look for some grouse country. And I'm heading north and I look up ahead of me and something crosses this road. It's kind of a built up road, come out of the ditch and up over the top. I go, what was that? Was that a hunter? I go, no, there's no orange, nothing. Is it a moose? It was brown. And, you know, my brain's just going goofy when you see something you've never seen like that before. It's like seeing a UFO. Well, then I go, that was Bigfoot. Holy moly. And, and I don't drink when I'm hunting, guys, either. That's so, good. That's good. You know, that's good for real. <laughs> I saw him. I saw him. No lie about it. And he was gone in a second, came out of a tamarack swamp full of tamaracks and moss. You could never see a track. That's where they like to hang out. So after that, I went to education. What's it? Adult education and went to a class on Bigfoot. That was awesome. They uh, had people from all over come in and talk to us and teach us about how they're looking for Bigfoot. So he's for real. That a boy. Thank yeah. you, Harry Wise. Harry Wise. Yeah, sure. so it's true. Like I said, I believe in Bigfoot, but I believe there's only the one. There's only one Bigfoot. That's why he's hard to find and hard to see, and he travels the whole countryside. But there's just the one solo Bigfoot. That's my belief, and I'm going to die with it. That's kind of sad. He's just by it is, Yeah, by it him. is a sad life as a Bigfoot, for sure. <laughs> I trust this radio show to an engineer who believes in Bigfoot. There's only one, though. There's only one. There's only one. There's only one. Oh. What else do you want to talk about, buddy? We've got a lot of guests coming up tonight. How about a little trivia? i got a lot of shout-outs. You want to do that while uh, you get your trivia ready? Yep. Go ahead. So we do a little thing called the Four Doorsman Shout-Out where you can comment on our Facebook post every week, and we'll mention it on air. It's your little way of becoming 
semi-famous, I guess. couple here, uh, John Marshall says, out on the water tonight with the four outdoorsmen. He's listening in. Thank you, John. We have a buddy uh, called the Paranormal Outdoorsman who does a lot of cool stuff. Everyone check him out. It's cool. Brian Amberg's son, Mason, won the Minnesota State Sporting Clays title today as well as another state title. Congratulations, Mason Amberg. We need to get him on again. I know we've, we've uh, had him on before, but Mason Amberg won the Minnesota State title. Um, Bill Katz says, have fun and, and have a great show at the fair. Uh, Lancaster Summerfest coming up here in a couple weeks, so yep. check it out. Go yep. to Lancaster Summerfest. It's a party where everyone brings their ice castles or whatever and camp and listen to music. They have all sorts of food, so check out Lancaster Summer Extravaganza. Someone named uh, Kevin McKinstry, do you know who that is? Not a clue. He says, wow, Stu will have an audience tonight. He does well with big crowds or when he's doing the preview alone. So. Oh, that was nice of him to say. <laughs> I know him well. <laughs> he's one of my best friends. And that's about it. That's about it. Thank hey, you, I got a shout-out to the Sathery family, S-A-T-H-R-E. The Sathery family is here. Uh, uh, Might have just left, but anyway. They own property down in Adams, Minnesota, just east of South, um, Adams. Rochester. Yep. And uh, that family's been really, really nice to us, and they make their own syrup, and it's called S-A-P-T-H-R-E, SAP3, and they're extremely successful. It's wonderful stuff. As a matter of fact, they brought us a case of maple syrup, and a lot of that is for Brandon, because Brandon begged them for it. But they also market a thing called Misky. It's maple-flavored whiskey. And these guys have the syrup. Super Strew has the whiskey. So uh, <laughs> that's what I got. So thanks for the Sathery family. Both of their kids were showing pig's ear. I don't know what the one's called a boar. I, I forget what the other one is. And they both made ribbons. They both did well. I forget what they won, but congratulations to those guys. And thanks for the Sathery family for raising kids to be good kids. That's, I'm, I'm serious about that. Hey, buddy, how you doing? I'm doing well, thank get you. Close, get I'm close, get bring closer. Get closer to this. All right, all that's right. That's Thane Jensen. Thane Jensen with Clam Outdoors. Obviously, that's what his blue thing is. And you guys <laughs> have a gig way north of us here. Absolutely. Yep. We're up on uh, Machinery Hill at the corner of Cooper and Lee. We've got all the brand new uh, ice fishing gear out. Hasn't been seen yet this year, so stop on up there if you get a bit. Uh, got some deals on some quick set screen shelters and all the good stuff's true. All right, tell me what a quick set screen shelter is. It's funny you should ask. It's, <laughs> a, uh, it's, a, it's a screen tent that essentially will set up in approximately 30 seconds. Uh, we like really? to say bug free in under a minute. So, uh, yeah, sets up real quick, comes down real easy, and uh, keeps you out of the elements and keeps the bugs away. I mentioned that you were a part of the ice team. Is it the clam ice team or is it a national group? What is the ice team? So it's essentially our pro staff. Uh, you know, we're roughly 300 plus strong on our pro staff, Stru. Um, and there's there's different levels. Like we've got some folks that are, you know, have TV shows. Some have radio shows. Some have, you know, our, our full-time guides and whatnot. So, uh, you know, our ice team pros run the gamut as far as the ice belt from out east, all the way to the western ice belt, and up into Canada. How did that start? How did the ice team start? Well, you know, it, it all started, it kind of spun off of, a, of a, uh, a tournament series called the Trap Attacks, where Dave Gens and a bunch of his colleagues started having fishing tournaments, and they were kind of able to hand-select some of the best of the best at that time, 
and made them ice team pros. And essentially at that point, they were ambassadors for the sport, trying to grow the ice fishing industry and grow that sport. Well, what Clam Outdoors did is we took ice team and it's now the educational arm of the sport where it's more of a, a tell not sell type of attitude and mentality where we, we talk about and promote ice fishing, not necessarily the products that we sell. It, that always finds its way in there, but you know, it is what it is. It finds its way in there and uh, we're just out to help people catch fish. What is your background? Again, we're talking with Thane Jensen here with Clam Outdoors. Nobody grows up and says, I want to work for Clam Outdoors when I'm a kid, when I grow up. Thane did. did. Thane did. But what, when you were 10, 12, 13 years old, what, were, what was your background? Oh, boy. When I, I, I'd done a lot of everything, man. I mean, I, I mean I've, done, I've done paper routes. You know, I did, some, I did a little stint in law enforcement. I worked for the Iowa DNR for a period of time. Uh, I worked at Fleet Farm in the lumber department. I own my own cabinet uh, sales rep agency. I've done a little bit of it all. And in all honesty, uh, in, with that cabinet sales rep agency, I took her to the top and watched it fall right to the bottom <laughs> And in uh, 2008. And uh, after about a year and a half of sitting on the couch, my wife said, you might want to maybe add to the bank account or something. So I went and... Uh, Saw about a job at Clam. They were building down the street, and ultimately uh, didn't get an interview. <laughs> you, did, you did not no, get an I interview. I did not get an interview, but I sent a nice email. Said, "Hey, you need anything? Let me know. I'm ten minutes away." About two weeks later, I got an email, and the rest is history. Good for I you. went in there as a temporary employee, and uh, I haven't left, and I well, love it. Last time I talked to you, when I was last time I was at Clam, it's up in Rogers, just off of Ten, right? Uh, just off 94, of 94. 94. Yep. On the right-hand side, you can't miss it if you go north on 94. First time I met you, you were, you were one of those guys that put out fires. What are your responsibilities at CLAM? Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I, I used to manage our customer service team, uh, and my current job is I work with our marketing department. I am the marketing relations manager. So I do a lot of talking to people. Uh, I do a lot of events, stuff like that. Anything that involves interacting with our customer base that's kind of where you'll find me. All right, we'll be right back. I tell you what, we're going to take a break right now. We're going to have uh, uh, Chad Tessing from, uh, from the uh, Minnesota DNR, conservation officer. And I see he's got a buddy there as well, so we're going we're gonna to find out all about the Minnesota DNR. It is no secret how the four outdoorsmen feel about Devil's Lake, North Dakota. There's so much to do for the entire family, whether or not you hunt or fish. Steve Carney as well, one of the most successful and respected guides in the Midwest. Well, he's hooked on Devil's Lake. After his most recent guiding trip there, Steve said, quote, Hey, Devil's Lake just might be the best fishery I've ever been on. I've got myself a walleye hangover. I think that's a pretty good thing. Hey, plan your next trip at devilslakend.com. If you love the outdoors and haven't stepped into Capra's on Highway 65 in Blaine, here's what you can expect. It has a huge gun shop loaded with specialty ammo and one of the best gunsmiths in the state. It has a complete archery shop with a 20-yard range on site. It has all the fishing tackle, rods, and electronics you could possibly need. To top it off, the employees are experts with decades of experience. Go check it out and say hi to Sam, Capra's Outdoors. 
Hey, we all know Ely is home to some of the best fishing in all of Minnesota, and we brag that Arrowhead Outdoors is also the best bait and tackle shop in the entire area, and it is. For the second year in a row, Arrowhead Outdoors has been voted the very best fishing outfitter in the entire state, according to the readers of the Minneapolis Star and Tribune. That's a big deal. The best, not second, not third, the best. Hey, next time you're in Ely, stop by Arrowhead Outdoors and congratulate Chris and Steve and find out what makes Arrowhead Outdoors truly number one. And thank you. Hey, Balsam Beach Resort would make it on a 10-acre pond because Clint and Patty worked their butts off to make sure of it. In fact, Clint and Patty were voted Resorters of the Year a couple of years back. But the 2,500 acres of the Serene Lake Plantagenet, that's a big draw. Walleyes and panfish, mm, there's plenty of them. But musky fishing is as good as it gets. Last year, a high school kid caught two different 50-plus-inch muskies on back-to-back days on Lake Plantagenet. It's only five miles south of Bemidji. That's Balsam Beach Resort. Power Lodge is the number one source for ATVs in the upper Midwest. With the top three brands, including Polaris, CF Moto, and Can-Am, you're able to test drive them all in a head-to-head comparison to find the perfect ATV for hunting, ice fishing, plowing, and having the best time possible on four wheels. Power Lodge also offers all the best gear to fully customize your off-road vehicle, including plows, windshields, heated hand grips, gun scabbards, and more. AMI is a partner you can depend on for all your home HVAC, electrical, and plumbing needs. My friends at Air Mechanical can help with all of it. Call or schedule online at thinkami.com. That's thinkami.com. Thinkami.com today. Attorney Joe Cordell. Business owners and professionals face special challenges in divorce court. In addition to everything else going on, they have to contend with allegations that they are earning more than they are, coupled with claims on their business or practice itself. Clients with assets depend on their divorce lawyer skills in these matters. And that's why it's so important to hire someone that has those skills. Schedule an appointment with one of Cordell & Cordell's Twin Cities attorneys, a partner men can count on. CordellCordell.com. Paid for by Cordell & Cordell. Like any good agent, we're here for the open house, for the closing, for handing over keys. But because we're Realtors, we're here for so much more. Agents who are Realtors volunteer at nearly three times the national average. We're working to broaden access to credit, increase affordable housing supply, and ensure fair housing for all. And Realtors are bound by a code of ethics. We're here for it all. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. That's who we are. You want to feel important? You want to be part of something bigger, something that matters and can help change things. You want to feel like you belong. We felt that way too. I'm Lieutenant Colonel Ryan Rossman from Chisholm, Minnesota, and that's why we did something about it. We aren't just Minnesota Army National Guard soldiers. We are people just like you, and together we can make a difference. Take on your legacy. Visit nationalguard.com forward slash MN to find out more. Sponsored by the Minnesota Army National Guard, aired by the Minnesota Broadcaster Association and this station. All right, welcome back to the Minnesota State Fair with uh, the Four Outdoorsmen. I'm Steve Strusinski, Struman, and my buddy Mark Luffy is to my right. We've been doing this for a long, long time, and hopefully we do it another eight or nine years because we have so much fun. But you got a shout-out for some kind of a daily uh, yeah, there's sponsor a, thing. Yeah, Bob does a daily sponsor down at the fair. I want to give a shout-out to John Hirsch Cambridge Motors for sponsoring this broadcast at the Minnesota State Fair. And what else do you want to say? I want to welcome everyone here. It's just great to be down here. This is Mark Lukey and Steve Straczynski, the four outdoorsmen. 
If you haven't heard of us, we do an, an outdoors radio show every Sunday night on Bob FM, the great Bob radio network. We don't really know what we're doing that much, but we talk to a lot of people, <laughs> yeah. and we learn a lot of things, and we laugh, and uh, that's what our show is all about. So welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, that's what's fun. It's fun about this show because you don't... I can't tell you how to tie a, what's that knot called? I can tie it. There's improved, a lot of them. I can tie an improved clinch knot. That's all I know. But what's the polymer? What's that thing called? There, there's a million of them, buddy. I don't know. I mean, I can, I like to fish. I like to hunt. I've done my share of both. I've been successful at both. I'm not a technical guy. So if you want to hear stories, Strewman's your guide. And that's why we got these two guys right now. Now you can YouTube it, though, and you'd figure out yeah. how to tie those other knots. Hey, I'll tell I you. Know. Now, I got a story for you before I get these guys. This is uh, Chad... Uh, uh, Chad, uh, I had Derek, and, and Derek, uh, Peter Lynn, uh, talking to them. Uh, Derek, Peter anyway, Lynn. He was talking, I was talking about tying knots. Who knows who Ron, uh, Ron Shera is? Ron Shera. Most people in the Twin Cities know who He's Ron is. He's my Shera. boss, man. It's, Ron, it's Mark's boss. A friend of mine, Dan Boris, was up at Hinkley or Malax Casino many, many years ago and walks in after ice fishing. It's colder than heck, and he's got arthritis in his hands. And he had a hard time tying knots. And he saw Ron Shera playing blackjack up there. And he said, Ron Shera. He said, tell you what. And he told him the story. Have you got a special knot that I can tie when your fingers aren't as, as flexible as they used to be? And Ron Shera stopped playing blackjack and told Dan Boris to go get some fishing line, brought it back in. And Ron Shera sat down and told him how to buy a, a, tie a fishing line. That's, that's Ron Shera. He's a good, good man. He is. I've, I've met him several times, and I enjoy talking with him every time. All right, Derek and Chad of the Minnesota DNR, you guys are called conservation office these days. It's not game wardens anymore, right? Yeah, we still call ourselves game wardens, but the t technical term is conservation officer. And what are your responsibilities to get? Do you have separate responsibilities, or do you have similar responsibilities? Between us two or game wardens and conservation officers? Uh, probably overall conservation officers. We all have the same responsibilities, different parts of the state. I'm out of Albany, west of St. Cloud. Derek's going to be up in Badette. Right. Um, when everyone thinks about conservation officers or game wardens, they think about all you guys do is drive around and find people for not fishing, with, with fishing with too many lines and all that kind of good stuff. The, how much, what percentage of your job is exactly that? Writing tickets is probably... 20% of our time. The rest is talking to people, uh, educational classes, ATV safety, snowmobile safety, hunting safety. We'll go around to schools and talk. Uh, this week we're up at the state fair working the DNR info booth. So we do a wide variety of things. And it's a great job for the fact of everything changes every season. About the time you get sick of checking hunters, or, uh, hunters in the fall, you start moving into the winter. And now I'm working snowmobilers, ice fishermen. The time you're sick of checking ice fishermen and snowmobilers, move into the open water season. Now I'm checking boaters and fishermen. And then you get into the summer, you got jet skiers, tubers. Um, and the whole time you're looking for illegal fires, wetlands. Um, but the season changes all the time. And we're our own boss. We make our own schedule. So when I go to work in the morning, sometimes I go to work at 7 a.m. Sometimes I don't go to work till 10, 11 o'clock. Derek, how long have you been a conservation officer? Uh, probably about two weeks now. <laughs> <laughs> You're already on the big time on a radio show. That's there you awesome. go, yeah. yeah gonna, we're going to make you a star, man. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, you're gonna be, I'm going to vote for you for having the 
the conservation officer with the best smile. This guy, this guy's got the best smile of any yeah. conservation. I'd feel good if he gave me a ticket. <laughs> I'd be like, man, this guy's cool. Yeah, yeah that's cool. That's yeah. cool. They have been thanking him when he does write them tickets. <laughs> <laughs> so are you shadowing? Is he shadowing you? Is he learning the ropes or what? Yeah. Yep. I, I'm, in, I'm on field training uh, with Chad right now. Uh, so. Talking about field training, what did, you, what, did you, what did it take to become a conservation officer to get that title? And then you've got to go whole, through a whole bunch of training, like following guys like, like Chad here. How long does that process take? Oh, for me, it took about 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> so, so from the start, I, I wanted to be a conservation officer from the start. So um, back in 2012 area, I went to Vermilion Community College, uh, got my wildland, uh, wildlife law enforcement degree, went through their skills program. And uh, uh, since then, I've applied with the DNR five times. It took me five times to get in. So between then and now, um, I worked for a small town police department, um, and then I worked for Itasca County Sheriff's Office. I was a canine handler there for six years um, before I got on with the DNR, um, and now I'm here. Good for you, man. Be proud of yourself. That's a big, big deal. You talked about Vermilion Community College up in Ely, right? Yep, correct. Were you there? What years were you there? Uh, it would have been uh, 11 through 13. Okay, so you yeah. missed the recent fires the last three, four, five years. Yeah, been up yes, there. Yep. We have a hunting shack in Ely off of Lake Mud Creek Road off of Lake Vermilion. Sure. And so I spend as much time up in Ely as I possibly can. Yeah. Nice part nice of the area. world out there. Yeah. It's an awesome place to go to school. I bet it was. Yeah. yeah, I bet it was. My situation was very similar. I always wanted to be a conservation officer. I went to school to become a conservation officer. I went to Alec Tech, got a law enforcement degree, started in a small town Sox Center, worked there for three years, and then I went out to Las Vegas, and I was police in Las Vegas for six years. It took me four times before I got hired over the course of 10 years, and now I've been with the DNR 17 years. I can't believe now, the police departments across the state of Minnesota and probably nationally are having a hard time getting enough people to fill the spots. Obviously, that's not the case for the Minnesota DNR. Uh, it, it is and it isn't. When I got hired and when I was applying, there was about five to 600 people that would apply for 10, 12 spots. Now the number is down a little bit, but it's still a, a large amount. We get maybe 200 that apply for 10 spots versus four, five, 600. So it's still a hard job to get. It's just maybe a little less hard. That's why he finally slipped through the cracks, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good for you. I'm going to ask this, uh, this, this question of Chad because Chad has all the experience right now. After 17 years, you've gone through pretty much everything that, that Derek's going to be going through in his career. What is the best part of your job and the most frustrating part of your job as a conservation officer? So I think the best part of the job is getting a chance to talk to people. Um, as a police officer, you're looking at people and talking to people in a lot of times their worst uh, frame of mind, their worst situation. Mm -hmm. Whereas when we're going out and checking a fisherman or a hunter, they're out enjoying the day. And sometimes we ruin their day, but generally they're en out enjoying their time. So you get to talk to people like that and the wide variety of things we do. I enjoy the, coming to work every single day and I make the day what I want. If I decide to take the boat out and check some fishermen, if I decide to take the four-wheeler out and go on to work on the ATV trails, I kind of get to choose, for the most part, what I want to do each day. That's what I enjoy of it. 
Hey, Chad, what are some tips for your average uh, outdoorsman or woman for an interaction with the conservation officers? What's the best way to go about it? What, what's the best way to make it easier for you and them to get through the situation? Uh, typically, it would be don't lie. <laughs> Dang it. So a lot of times we go interview somebody, and they lie, and I keep interviewing them, and then they lie, and then I can tell they're lying, so I end up getting them to eventually admit that they were not being truthful with me, and they tell me they were scared. They didn't want to get in trouble. They didn't want to get somebody else into trouble. So um, it's easier. Uh, a 40-minute conversation could have been handled in a 5- or 10-minute <laughs> conversation. I have uh, three small boys. Can you please give me some tips on how to tell when they're lying? <laughs> a lot of times they look away. A lot of times they start fumbling with their hands. Uh, all kinds of things. Uh, over the course of uh, 25, 26 years of being police, uh, you start picking up on things like that. The reason Mark Lukey asked that question because a few years back he got busted by one of you guys. I did. It was my got, fault, totally. And he got fined uh, for having one shell in his case that was lead, right? Yep, it was totally my fault, yep. And uh, there were, he and his buddy were duck hunting. And Mark had just moved from point A to point B, and his, everything was disheveled. They threw everything together, and he had everything else was legal. He had his shotgun was fine. Um, he had his license. Everything was fine. But one shell out of like 20 sitting at the bottom of his bag was a lead shell, and they gave him a ticket. Would you have given him a ticket? I can't say yes or no, but <laughs> we do have officer discretion, so we can issue warnings at times and issue citations at times. I can't speak for this situation. I, I hold myself responsible. It was really dumb of me, and I don't, I don't blame the conservation officer at all. I blame myself because I was a realtor who sold him the house, and he had all that crap in one bag someplace. <laughs> so that's all my fault. Derek, what are your goals as far as being a conservation officer? Where do you want to be in five years, ten years? Well, I'm pretty happy to just be where I'm at right now. Uh, I want to work the field a little bit. I don't know if I necessarily have any aspirations to climb the ladder or anything. Uh, I kind of I kind of reached my career goal at this point, and I just want to kind of live this out for a little while before I think about anything else. Attaboy. So. Hang on a second. My buddy Mark just sent me, uh, I know the, story, the deer story, right? Yeah. I want to ask Chad one more question first, and then we'll talk about the deer story. That was 2021, give or take, or something like that. Um, there's a lot of land in the state of Minnesota. There's only so many conservation officers. How much area do you guys cover individually? The average, I believe, is 450 square miles. So some stations are smaller, Jesus. some stations are bigger, and generally it's based on population. So, but the average is about 400 and some square miles. Um, but there's areas that are up in like St. Louis County, some of those bigger areas, non-populated areas they're covering six seven eight hundred square miles and maybe more i i can understand why poaching is such a thing and people getting away with stuff that they should not be doing there's not enough there's just not enough people to cover all that ground that's amazing yeah we miss a lot of what goes on we catch a small amount of what goes on all right and, and now in just addition, hang out with me you'll find one <laughs> <laughs> in addition of course to those guys finding people and ticketing people and checking for licenses and whatnot they do a lot of things that people don't hear about. And Chad had a story about three, four years ago, maybe, about you and your buddy saw two, someone called in about two deer. 
Would you share that story with us, please? Yeah, so a buddy of mine from Albany was driving up I-94 towards Alexandria. Uh, in between Osakis and Alexandria, he looked over in the field. He saw two bucks locked together, very nice bucks. One was probably a 140-inch buck, 10-pointer. The other one was probably a 120-inch, 8-point buck. And they were locked together in a fight. So in the fall, they fight each other for territory. They fight each other for uh, breeding rights. And sometimes the way their antlers are configured, they lock together and they get into a situation where they can't get unlocked. So these two bucks were throwing each other around. The bigger buck was a little bit, well, so my buddy called me and said, hey, I see this going on. Is there anything you could do about it? I looked on our map. There was nobody working in Alexandria. There was nobody working in Osakis. So I said, yeah, I'll jump in my truck. I'll grab a Sawzall, I'll grab a blanket, and I'll grab a buddy, and we'll come up and see if we can help these two deer out. How far did you have to go? So I'm from Albany. This was between Osakis and Alex, so I would say 30 miles. All right. Maybe 35. And, and, uh, and. so on the way there, uh, I met a trooper and asked her if she wanted to come and help, and she did. So she ran the video camera. <laughs> And uh, I held a blanket, and I handed the Sawzall to my buddy. We went in there and put the blanket around the bigger buck. Now the smaller buck was kind of on the ground. I held the buck down, and my buddy took the Sawzall and cut the antler off the smaller buck, which then freed the bigger buck, and he ran off. And unfortunately, the smaller buck ended up succumbing to his, I guess, exhaustion because they were locked together for several hours. And we ended up having to put the smaller buck down because it just couldn't get up and, and, and move on anymore. So we ended up putting the smaller buck down. The bigger buck ran off and probably enjoyed, hopefully, several more years of life. What happened to, and that's a great story, you wouldn't hear the stuff behind the scenes. We all think of, like, cops or conservation officers as the bad guys that are coming to get us. What, did someone take that rack, that one horn, and and mount it or something and put it in your office? I have it in my office. You do? Yeah, That's do. pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. That's and pretty cool. It, it's pretty good. Yeah, you watch shows on TV like Northwoods Law, or I think they have a Yellowstone Law now, and follow different game wardens. Uh, very similar to what we do. But through the act of TV and slicing and editing, it makes it look probably a little more exciting than our day-to-day -day oh, job. I imagine, yeah. But that is what we do. All right, we got about 45 seconds. I want... Derek, to give all of our people listening here in this Minnesota State Fair and also on the radio, give them some advice as to uh, something about hunting and fishing in 2023. Oh, I got him thinking now. That was a very open-ended yeah. question. I, I guess I kind of wanted to add in a little bit earlier about like uh, dealing with conservation officers. Yeah. So one thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is I might not be as good as Chad in uh, reading people's behavior and telling, being able to tell whether they're lying or not, but I think what a lot of people don't realize is a lot of times we're asking them questions that we already know the answers to because <laughs> we were laying in the weeds watching them for some time now, and uh, when we ask them these questions, we already know what happened. So uh, just don't lie. It makes our interaction shorter, and it makes it a lot easier on us and on you guys. So. I guess if I had to say one thing, it'd be that. Typically, well, if we have to write a ticket, it's not the end of the world. A lot of times it's a $135 ticket, $150 ticket, so it's not the end of the world. And sometimes you screwed up bad enough that we end up having to take your license away a little bit, but all in all, it's not going to be the end of the world. 
Uh, if you screwed up, own up to it and uh, move on. I can on. attest to that. I want to just thank both of you for what you do. We, we really do appreciate everything you do for us and for outdoorsmen. And uh, it shouldn't be a thankless job because we all, we all owe you some gratitude for what you do. We really do. We love the heck out of this job. Um, I wouldn't trade this for nothing. This is why I became a conservation officer, is to enjoy the public. It's great. Ladies and gentlemen, how about a round of applause for Chad and Derek? And thank these guys. I tell you what, he loves not only that, he also, I also know he loves to play around at golf every once in a while. So, yep. so all right, thanks, you guys. Get back to your booth and answer some questions for everybody there. And thanks for joining the Four Outdoorsmen, all right? Take care. Hey, good luck, young man. Thank good you. luck. Thank you very much. I love, you. I love your smile. I love your attitude. You're gonna, yeah, you're gonna be, no matter what you do, you're going to be good. Yeah. I, I right. call him Smiley. Right. Yeah. We're going to take a break here. Up next, the one and only friend of ours, Thane Jensen from Clam. He's going to teach us how to do some turkey calling, and uh, we'll see if we can call one in. Listen to Total Country Bob FM anytime, anywhere, online at mybobcountry.com. Thanks to Aurora Asphalt and Concrete. Go to aurora-asphalt.com for a free, quick estimate. You've heard us talk about Devil's Lake for quite a while now, and there are many, many reasons why. To think that 30 years ago, Devil's covered about 85,000 acres. Today, that same body of water is over 160,000 acres, and that story alone brings the curious to visit this wonderful place. But it's the no-slot limit on walleyes with five a day and ten a possession. That's bringing the four outdoorsmen to Devil's Lake as often as we can. Devil's Lake, North Dakota, rated one of the top five fisheries in the entire country. Visit DevilsLakeND.com, and thanks. Heating and AC has let the dogs out. For a limited time, buy two, get one free. That's right, buy a furnace and AC and get a free water heater. If your water heater is getting up there in age, there's a good chance it's the same age as your heating and cooling system. Save on monthly utility bills with new efficient equipment that comes with a free industry-leading warranty and may qualify for additional rebates. For details, call Dazeal's Comfort Consultants or go to DazealHVAC.com. If you love the outdoors and haven't stepped into Capra's on Highway 65 in Blaine, here's what you can expect. It has a huge gun shop loaded with specialty ammo and one of the best gunsmiths in the state. It has a complete archery shop with a 20-yard range on site. It has all the fishing tackle, rods, and electronics you could possibly need. To top it off, the employees are experts with decades of experience. Go check it out and say hi to Sam, Capra's Outdoors. Hey, we all know Ely is home to some of the best fishing in all of Minnesota, and we brag that Arrowhead Outdoors is also the best bait and tackle shop in the entire area, and it is. For the second year in a row, Arrowhead Outdoors has been voted the very best fishing outfitter in the entire state, according to the readers of the Minneapolis Star and Tribune. That's a big deal. The best, not second, not third, the best. Hey, next time you're in Ely, stop by Arrowhead Outdoors and congratulate Chris and Steve and find out what makes Arrowhead Outdoors truly number one. And thank you. Hey, Balsam Beach Resort is just five miles south of Bemidji. Not just to fish, but completely enjoy a memorable family experience. Sure, multi-species fishing on beautiful Lake Plantagenet is superb, but with the heated pool, all the lakeshore water toys, basketball court, bonfires at night, Balsam Beach Resort is a must. Patty and Clint, they work their butts off to make sure that the cabins and grounds are spotless and your guests are going to make memories and they're going to last a lifetime. Trust Strewman on this one. Check out BalsamBeachResort.com. 
Power Lodge is the number one source for ATVs in the upper Midwest. With the top three brands, including Polaris, CF Moto, and Can-Am, you're able to test drive them all in a head-to-head -head comparison to find the perfect ATV for hunting, ice fishing, plowing, and having the best time possible on four wheels. Power Lodge also offers all the best gear to fully customize your off-road vehicle, including plows, windshields, heated hand grips, gun scabbards, and more. Welcome back, everybody. We're at the Great Minnesota Get Together. Strew, man here. I'm Mark Lukey, and welcome to this beautiful Sunday. I'm glad it cooled down a little bit for us. I have some shout-outs here before you have some trivia, right? We have a lot of listeners. I want to give a shout-out to my friend Tim Ingolstead, who's listening from Balsam Beach Resort. Wow. Tim has the cabin next to the one that we always rent. Great guy. Comes over. He... Uh, Gave us some jerky, gave us cocktails. He's Is he a the one man. that gave you the tips as well? Yeah, he's, yeah. he's uh, a great guy. Thank you for listening, Tim, all the way from our great sponsor, Balsam Beach Resort. Nice man. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what, our next guest here is, uh, is uh, Thane Jensen again from uh, Clam Outdoors. Thane, thanks for joining us. Now, uh, would you rather be down here or would you rather be up at, your, at, at Clam Outdoors on the north end of the uh, state fairgrounds? You know what? It doesn't really matter to me, Strew. I, uh, I enjoy hanging out with you guys. I get a chance to sit down a little bit, talk a little bit of whatever it is you jokers want to chat about. But uh, I love it up there, too. I love talking clam. I love talking outdoors, ice fishing. Uh, it's, it's coming, folks. Well, at the end of the show, we have a special treat. He is the, the best turkey caller that we know of, <laughs> and he forgot his uh, diaphragm call, but I found one in my basement, so it's probably dusty. <clears throat> dirty it's probably got my slobber on it but he's going to do some turkey calling in the last couple of minutes of the show so i thought tuned. you said it was brand new <laughs> uh that's what i told you whoops all right before we do that before we get uh thing to, to talking about clam outdoors and turkey and you go i've got a couple of trivia questions for you thing let's see how good you are all right minnesota state fair my buddy byron's over there got a couple of fans out there you guys know all about the minnesota state fair you've been here a few times right everyone's been here a few times what year was the first year of the Minnesota State Fair? Uh, who, give me a shot. Multiple choice? Whatever you want. Or no. It's in the 1800s, I can tell you that. Oh, Lord. <laughs> 1800s? 1800s. We're going to go 1825. Anybody, anybody out there? 1874. That's close enough. Here's a dollar for you. Come up. Get a dollar here. Here you go. <laughs> Look at there. Making dollars. <laughs> Don't spend it all in one place here. 1859. She's close. There you go. What's your name, young lady? Addie. Addie? What's your last name, Addie? Addie Schneider here is, is uh, just with her lady friends having a good time. I think right. they're just really fast at right, Google. Addie, Addie, let's see if you can get this one as well. Here we go, Thane. Ready for the second one. Now, Addie, you girls would appreciate this question as well. How many baby animals are born at the State Fair every year on the average? How many baby animals at the State Fair? Right on the nose. Right on the nose. Here's a dollar. And, and you, think, you think I'm BSing because she's cute. It says right there. What does it say? What does it say? 200. There you go. Wow. There you go. Heck, that's good enough for me. <laughs> you can one buy one-fifth of a corn dog. I can tell you what. I'll, Scott or Byron can answer this question because... These guys both, eh, 
They're a little, they, they're a little heavier than I am. All right. Little Way heavier. Be nice than, about it. Little heavier than I am. All right. How many cookies can Sweet Martha's cookie jar produce in one day? It says one day. This is crazy. How many? Where did you get that answer? You're out of your crate. She's right, by the way. Three million cookies a day. Did you guys write this questionnaire or what? Three million cookers. All right, all right, all right. This is a setup. Now, now these girls we're talking to are probably 17, 18, 19 years, or whatever they are, right? And they, 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 they're pretending like they're smarter than hell, all right? Divide 274 by 9. And give me an answer right now. I can't do it. Oh, but she knows how many, she knows how many Martha's cookies are. All right, Thane Jensen, let's talk about Clam Outdoors. What's new at Clam I Outdoors? Love it. Well, we got all kinds of good stuff this year. We're really excited about the upcoming ice seasons through. Um, we've got a new door system, a new max entry uh, door system on our hub shacks. Turkey call got in the way. So we're, we're really excited about that. That's going to give you 38 inches of opening to get in and out of that shack. So no more cramped quarters, stepping in, stepping out, tripping, falling in, falling out. Uh, it, that's going to be a real big one. Uh, some, some really cool new ice suits as well from Ice Armor. Uh, we partnered with Folds of Honor. And so we've got a new, new set of suits, a new series called the Delta Suit. Uh, it's going to be a nice, very uh, comfortable fitting, warm uh, float suit. What we basically did, we took our Edge X suit from last season and the season before, made it a float suit. We've got uh, some new colorations in there as well. Uh, we're kind of doing this theme called Ice Ops, where you'll find within our product lineup this Ice Ops program where certain products are a part of a donation program to Folds of Honor, where we're going to throw back a little bit of the proceeds of that sale of those products to the folks at Folds of Honor to help our military folks uh, with scholarships and whatnot. Uh, famous talking about float suits. I have a float suit. Mark has a float suit. And, uh, of course, it's for ice fishing. We well, can use it for summer fishing if you want, but probably not. you got life jackets. <laughs> but anyway, I, I You used it in your hot tub. I there tested, is a video. I, I tested the, the, the original flow suit you guys had four or five years ago in my hot tub, and it, was, it, it blew me away. Um, obviously, they're only necessary one out of 10,000 times, but that one time is what makes a difference. How, do you have any idea how many people fall through the ice maybe – pass away as, as a result of that you know every year there are, tragedy does strike um you know do i have a number strew no um thankfully it's not something that we deal with often um from the tragic standpoint we do have folks that fall through uh, you know every year in every state and very likely every county thankfully the since the invention of the float suit you know what i think we've i think we've changed that number of casualties and there are a lot more good stories coming out of that than otherwise. When I worked in customer service, like I said, I had the, the, the very good fortune to receive a lot of those letters and phone calls, hearing from folks and spouses saying, hey, this saved my, my significant other, or my, my, yeah. my son's life, whatever. And, you know, it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty humbling talking to those folks. Uh, my, my uncle actually saved a man on Lake Okoboji. Him and some other folks saved a guy 
that uh, that wasn't wearing a float suit, and it, it was pretty pretty hairy situation. But I'm just thankful they were there to help. Let's talk about turkey hunting. Well, when is turkey when is turkey hunting open? What's the season for turkey hunting in Minnesota? Well, you know, I don't know the fall seasons because I've actually, as much as I love turkey hunting, I've never hunted them in the fall. But uh, typically, I can tell you oh, what it is. It's September 30th. Oh boy, it's coming up. September 30th through uh, 1029 is the fall season. Why would you, if you're a turkey, a turkey, a turkey guru, why not, why not hunt the fall? You know, uh, there's a lot going on for me in the fall, and the the part that I love the most about turkey hunting in the spring is honestly, it's that interaction with the birds. Right? They're very vocal. They kind of give you an idea what they're up to, uh, so you can communicate with them, call them in, do all of that stuff, and that's really what gets me jacked. Do up they? For uh, do they not? call back in the fall or they just you basically shoot them walking through no no they they do they communicate every day with each other the difference is is they're not nearly as susceptible uh, in the springtime when they're looking for love you can kind of kind of pull the wool over their eyes a little bit if you will and uh convince them otherwise that you you might not you might be looking for something that they're after <laughs> I was looking up some stats. I've never hunted a turkey in my life. And, and, yeah, you uh, have. Oh, I, what are you I, talking about? I sat down with you one day with a turkey. You put a three-and-a-half-inch shell in a gun made for three I made inch. a mistake. All right, I made I'm, a mistake. I'm glad I, you didn't I, have to shoot. I'll I tell you that. I made a mistake, all right? Yeah. And you had a, Do you uh, see me? a decoy that looked like a, a rubber chicken <laughs> that got run over by a truck. That's all we had. So we were, we're I not, wonder why we're never successful. No, we, we weren't very good. We weren't very good. But I was reading this just the other day. Turkey harvest in 2022, 48,359, and only 17% of the hunters are successful. That doesn't seem like a lot. Is it that difficult? You sit there, a bird walks in front of you, and you shoot it. Come on. Well, it sounds easy, and it appears easy when you see all these birds, you know, as you're driving around. But, Lukey, how, how, is it hard? Is it tough? <laughs> I have... Uh turkey hunted nine years and have yet to get kill a tom oh my goodness we we have we keep saying this but we have to change that I've passed on many jakes i've seen hundreds okay. and hundreds of hens i've never shot a, a, a full tom in strut yeah, all right well we're gonna have to continue to work on that well i so you you've called for us before and and, and it's really fun just to show the interaction of how you would, you would do that can you tell us a story with your calls what would you do walking in to the woods, or do you do you call putting them to bed? Do you do that as well? Uh, you can. Um, typically, I, I'm, I don't have a lot of time anymore. It seems like so, I'm not I'm not often able to get out and put them to roost. But in the morning, I'll get out there, hit the owl call, hit you know, hit the old owl hooter, and and see if you can get one to shot gobble. Otherwise, it's a matter of just going to a spot that that either you know they they frequent or appears to be good, and you just sit down, set up shop, and wait for them to wake up, and then you can hit them with some tree yelps and whatnot. Let me, I, I'm, I'm going to take about four seconds here, and we'll continue this. So I just got a shout-out for somebody, a question was said, Bigfoot, he said he doesn't drink when he's hunting, but what is he smoking? I think he's talking about you, Harry. I think he's talking about you. All right, keep on going. All right, keep on going. So, yeah, so, you know, early in the morning like that, typically when they all wake up, they, the, they'll, they'll start communicating amongst themselves. And that gobbler will, will start to gobble, and, and at that point, it's just a matter of letting him know you're there. Um, if you're not in position and it's dark enough, maybe you can move into a better position. But most of the time, you just sit put and uh, see if you can talk him into coming your way and uh, giving you a little look-see. 
Give us an example. Oh, let's say let's say you, you, you get up at 3.30 in the morning, right? Oh, yeah. 3.30 in the oh, morning. Yeah. You guys, I love these guys. Duck hunters and turkey hunters are nuts. Yep. Uh, get up at 3.30 in the morning, and they put all their gear on, and they're all camouflaged. They go sit in their little blind by 4 o'clock, and, and you wait an hour for the sun to come up or to hear. Do you call first, or do you listen first? I, I typically listen first. I mean, that's, that's kind of the opposite of what I do in real life. I talk a lot. <laughs> so I, I, in this instance, I'm a listener. And, uh, and then once they kind of give me an idea of what's, got, what's going on, I'll decide if I'm going to move, if I'm going to stay, whatever. And then uh, once I'm in a spot I like, I'll just start slowly communicating. Now, obviously, before you go the next morning, you find out where they're roosting the night before, right? Within reason. You, you've got a decent idea. Okay. Some guys are able to get out and actually put them to bed. Right. So they'll be, you know, th- that's what they call it. But basically watching, listening for these birds to go to roost. And so you know they're, I know their general vicinity typically. All right, like Mark suggested, he said, okay, if you're sitting there, number one, let's say you get in your stand at 4 or 4.30 in the morning. How long do you wait before you make the first call? And what is the first call you're going to make? So I'm going to wait until they, till they call, and then I, typically if it's the hens waking up and the, and the gobbler hasn't gobbled yet, I may do nothing for a little while. But once I know there's a gobbler in the area and he can hear them and they start to go back and forth, I'll tree yelp back and forth. And, and honestly, it's mimicking of the hens. So if they're, if they're just tree yelping, where it's, and this is, once again, not my call, but you know, it's just going to be really quiet because they're waking up. Nobody's really too fired up in the morning, but it's going to sound a little like this. super quiet like that and then as the morning progresses a little bit and it, it and when i say progresses we're not talking hours we're talking minutes you get you get gobbler fires up he gobbles over in his tree and then they're back and forth back and forth oh, there it was you know <laughs> so that goes on for a while and everybody's stretched and done their thing Birds will start to fly down from the tree. Then you can get some fun stuff. Then things get a little bit louder. They'll, they can get a, become a little bit more raucous. And, and there's a fly-down cackle, which I'm going to try on this call, and it could sound like cats dying. You're talking about when, when they come out of the tree, they make a sound, and this is what you think it's yep. like. Oh, well, God. when they come out of the tree, you're going to hear all kinds of wings flapping. And sometimes they'll, come, sometimes they'll come out of the tree quiet, and all you'll hear are wings flapping. Other times it's going to be crazy. Crazy loud, really raucous. I'll hit it quick here. Um, this would be like a fly down cackle. That's crazy, wow. man. That that's was crazy. way too high pitched, but that's the gist of the cadence. <laughs> way so, too so, high pitched. So when a hen, that's a hen coming down to the tree, right? Yep. And Tip. when she's making that noise, is she saying, to the rooster, not the rooster, what do you call him? The Tom. Tom. The Tom. Hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm Basically, com- it's just like, hey, I'm coming out of the tree. You need to get over here and figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> what is the best part about? We got to wrap it up, buddy. All right. Well, we, I guess we got to wrap it up. We got to wrap it up. I got to wrap it up. Thane Jensen, Clam Outdoors, thanks for being here. Thanks to Derek and Chad from the Minnesota D- DNR Conservation Officers. Thanks to all you guys. Who else do we have? We had Harry on. We had Harry on. We had Byron on. God, we had a lot of people on tonight. Um, Thanks for joining us tonight in the Four Outdoors. We're here next Sunday as well. We're here every Sunday at mybobcountry.com. 
I'd like to say have a good time. Be safe tonight. My buddy Mark's got something to say. Get outside and make some memories. 